I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That is a surprising, perhaps, tune from none other than Rick Astley. It was called Dipping My Feet In. Just one of a host of new songs by my very special guest today, inspired by his trips in America. Um, Rick Astley was just 21, working as a T-boy in Lancashire when he scored a global hit with the single Never Gonna Give You Up. It reached number one in 25 countries and is one of just a handful of 80s songs to have more than a billion views on YouTube. He sold more than 40 million records worldwide and now some 36 years since he shot to fame, he's treating us to a brand new album called Are We There Yet? from which that track uh, was taken. Uh, 12 songs that he wrote, produced and performed all in his home studio. Talk about do it yourself. Uh, Yes, Rick Astley. I caught up with him earlier and asked whether his desire to embrace new technology, unlike, um, I'm afraid to say, yours truly, uh, is what spurred him to create uh, this record all on his own ear. I think I've made three, well, I have. I've made three albums in that garage now over the last sort of, you know, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it's been. And this one, I spent about five months in America last year, three of which we were on tour and we were on a tour bus. Um, and I don't love flying, so I'm happy to do it on a bus anyway. And we asked our driver, Nat, who we've worked with a few times, would he do it in the daytime? So we drove around a lot of America in the day. So we actually saw a lot of it. And I just think I came home from there and I just felt every time I picked the guitar up, I just twanged it a bit more. It just had a bit more... I wouldn't say country exactly, but it had it had more twang in it. That's, that's the best way of describing it. It's a twang. <laughs> so record. technical. And, <laughs> and um, I think I think also I heard a lot of music um, in America again that I hadn't heard for a while. Played a lot of music because because you, you go somewhere like Detroit or Memphis or Nashville or New Orleans or some of these places that I grew up as a kid, kind of dreaming about and watching on TV and movies and you know. And when you're actually there and you're walking down the street, let's let's say somewhere like New Orleans, there's certain streets there you can walk down. There's a band in every bar. And it just refills your batteries. It just I'm not saying there isn't great music in the UK. Of course there is. We've led the world in music many times. But I think sometimes when you're in a different spot in the world, you take something from it and it and it kind of it takes you back to your little garage or whatever your situation is. And it just refills your batteries. And I just felt I just wanted to finish off a load of songs I've been working on and different ideas and things. And there's a bit more of a, um, I wouldn't say it sounds like American or Americana. It's not that. 
there's just an, something in my heart, I think, came back from America thinking, I really want to get in my little studio and just play again and just, you know, sing again. You mentioned uh, your fear of flying there, and I, mm. I wondered how much that was the contributing factor to you uh, taking a step back, I mean, retiring from music, really, at, at the age of, of 27, and how much it was just, you know, for your own mental health, the sort of overwhelming nature of the sort of fame that you found yourself surrounded by. Yeah, I think it went hand in hand, if I'm honest. Um, I did do therapy over not just the flying thing, but just over a lot of things in life and everything that I've been through in such a condensed short space of time, you know, becoming, you know, extremely well known and being basically a pop star um, from total obscurity in in the blink of an eye, really. Do you know what I mean? From one week to be totally anonymous, to being all over the media and what have you, is a bit of a weird thing to go through. I think it's probably a little bit easier when you don't have a number one the first time and you're, you know, you sort of sneak in the back door when no one's looking, you have a number 27 or 28 and then gradually creep up to having a number one, but mine didn't, mine just flew out the door and that was that. So I kind of feel that the, towards the end of that period, whatever it was, four or five years, I kind of think I was done anyway. I was a bit burnt out. I wasn't in love with it anymore, not music, but just the whole business. And I know you've been around it all your life. I think as well, you understand what I mean. It's, it does suck the life out of you as well as giving you so much. It also takes something away at the same time. And it's a balance of thing. Mm. And I think the flying thing really was a symptom of me not wanting to do it anymore. Um, I do fly because obviously, you know, I fly to America and Australia, South America, wherever it is to do gigs and stuff. But if I'm in Europe, I drive a lot and I'm sort of comfy doing that. And it gives me a chance to I don't know, just have a bit of time to reflect on things. But also, I listen to a lot of audiobooks in the car these days, and I really love that as well. It's interesting what you say, um, you know, about the music business sucking the life out of you in one way and it being a balance. Because, as you say, you know, I, I, I did work in the music business for a long time in the sort of yeah. 80s or through the 80s. And I do understand what you mean. But I think for a lot of people, the, the vision that they get is of a kind of, blessed life you know a charmed life where you know fame brings you everything and how on earth could you not enjoy that I wondered if if you could elaborate a little bit on just what it felt like during those crazy four or five years when I imagine you didn't have two seconds to yourself and it also wasn't really on your terms was it I mean you were you were part of the stock Aitken Waterman hit factory I think the thing is sometimes there's a bit too much made of that hit factory thing I mean there's lots of production teams that have you know produced loads of records one after the other and been really successful with it british ones american ones i'm sure motown done that but stock Ekin waterman themselves became really famous they became a household name they were certainly known by all the radio stations djs and you know anybody in the business knew them for sure but even people just at home knew them and i think that overtook some of their records they produced sometimes and yeah you became like a cutty cutter, sorry, cookie cutter. cutter. I can never say that word, cookie cutter, <laughs> a little bit in in the way that they did things. But but it, I can't compare them because they they're different in so many different ways. But that's what Motown did. Motown basically had a group of people who wrote, produced, and played on all those records. And a different singer came in almost every day and sang on them. And that's what Stock Aitken Watman did. They just didn't find Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Diana Ross, and all the rest. But um, they found Rick Astley, Banana Rama. Yeah, but come um, on, come on, let's let's you know, I'm not you can't even go there. But um I think that in terms of the fame thing, I think some people are cut out for it and deal with it better. 
And like I say, mine was ballistic. It was from from day one, it was just bonkers. And even though I had, you know, made a lot of tea for Dead or Alive, Mel and Kin and Bararama and various other people and hung around the studios and, and kind of been a tape up like yourself and done a lot of jobs, you know, even if it was just tidying up the tape store and stuff, um, you're still part of it and you're still kind of feeling your way through what the actual process of making a record is. Mm. But that's not preparation for being famous. I think the fame thing is just really hard to to quantify and explain to anyone who's not been through it. It's amazing. I wouldn't swap it for anything, but it suits some people better than others. And I think I enjoy the little fame I have now. I really enjoy that because it's much more manageable. And I do gigs in front of sometimes can be tens of thousands of people, you know, especially at big festivals and stuff. And I can literally be filling my car up on the petrol station forecourt on the way home and not one person recognised me. And that's pretty amazing. You, t- you talk about the Stock Aitken Waterman thing being over-exaggerated. And, and yeah. I think that's that's perfectly true in one way. But in the other, it, it sort of eclipsed all the artists, which I, I guess is, yeah. is slightly true of Motown as well, in terms of your understanding of them. So this summer, there I was at Glastonbury, Curious, I went to see you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was blown away. It was an amazing gig. Thank you. But I think I'd always thought of you as a sort of stock Aitken Waterman manufactured puppet, puppet <laughs> kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, I had to completely reassess my own uh, ideas about, about what you did. And, mm. and you've had to live that experience. Yeah, but uh, like I say, I wouldn't swap it. I still count myself every day of my life. I still appreciate what went on back in the day to give me the life that I've had. Um, And even if it comes down to sort of things that are a bit more practical and dare I say mundane uh, in terms of like, I live in a nice neighborhood. I've got a nice existence. Mm -hmm. And that's because I sang songs in the eighties, which became hits. And some people can look at that and just say, what a crass thing to say. And what are this, that and the other. But I think if we look at the way life has gone, it's life's tougher than it used to be. It, it 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 shouldn't be because we have technology like we started this whole conversation with. It should be easier for people and it seems like it's harder. And my life has been a breeze compared to most people's just because I was a pop star in the 80s. So I don't ever kind of um, poo-poo those days or anything because, you know, never going to give you up still opens the door for me on so many occasions, i.e. getting on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. If I didn't have never going to give you up, I wouldn't be on there. But I think in terms of the fact that, yeah, you know, I make records today where I play all the instruments and I write all the songs and I produce it and all the rest of it. A lot of people wouldn't really know that or care or whatever. But I think you look at Kylie's career, you know, that woman uh, is pretty incredible. The only one I can compare it to, I'd have to say, is Madonna. And that's saying something, you know, and she came from the Stock Aiken Walkman thing and She's built this kind of like iconic, of extraordinary career, and hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, and and it is obviously about the songs and the music, and she's just proved that again by having a monster again. But it's also about it's about her, really. It's about her kicking ass, to be honest, and saying, "Look, this is what the one I want to do it like this. This is who I am. This is what I want to be." I think some people are probably just better at other people are doing that, mm. and I'm probably better at being in a garage strumming a guitar sometimes <laughs> than I am you know, controlling, if you want to say that, or, you know, having control over my own career, even. My wife manages me, and bless her, I don't know how she does it sometimes, but she does. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, get 30, get 20 20, 20 get 20 20, get 15 15, 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Well, I think I, you're you're surrounded by sage women if you don't mind me saying because I think it was mm. at Glastonbury backstage when you were having serious qualms about stepping out onto the stage and your daughter who I'm slightly worried about the fact she was doing your ironing but nevertheless <laughs> yeah. uh, that aside offered you some wise words that kind of propelled you out there and and in in some yeah. way were responsible for the great gig it became no Yeah, I mean she she she's done that a couple of times to be honest. Our daughter Amelia, she's 31 now, so you know, it's first time she was giving me advice. It was about rick rolling when that started like 15 <laughs> years ago. So she was a perfect age to have the viewpoint of the internet that she had and and I wasn't if you know what I mean. Mm. It was kind of catching people of my generation by surprise a little bit, I think, whereas she just soaked it up and just said, "Look, don't sweat it." this rick rolling thing don't sweat it it's fine it's it, you know it's you're going to have to explain rick you. rolling sorry yeah rick rolling is where you somebody emails you and there's a link to a video and you click on it and you think that video link is going to be to something you actually want to see because a friend sent it to you and that could be a sport thing it could be an art thing it could be anything but it actually turns out to be my video i'm never going to give you up so that's something to bear in mind when you click on the <laughs> I'm next link. I'll be watching out for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, and that started about 15 years ago. But anyway, our daughter lives in Denmark. My wife is Danish and, and our daughter went to study there years and years ago and just never came home. So um, but she, obviously she comes back and we, you know, she hangs out and she really wanted to come to Glastonbury. And yes, yeah, she was backstage and she's just like that. Anyway, she just said, look. Give me, come here, give us the suit. You know, I'm going to steam that for you. You can't go on there with those trousers. And um, and yes, we do have people to do things for us a lot as well, by the way. But I kind of feel 
it's nice sometimes that your daughter's backstage with you just hanging out and steaming your trousers. Well, that, that, in most walks of life, that'd, that'd just be normal. So why not it be... It's going be feminists on the pavement outside your house with placards. <laughs> that, that, there goes the neighbourhood. <laughs> no, but and, and, seriously, because she, yeah, she gave you some, some good advice, didn't yeah, she, she, as just, she was ironing? She just kind of was, in literal terms, she was kind of saying, look, just own it. Just go out and enjoy it. It doesn't matter if, if not many people come. It doesn't matter. You and the band and your crew she knows them all just go out and enjoy it and and do you feel i mean it was it was an incredible gig and i felt like the audience a lot of them were there because they were curious and by the end yes. of it they were rick astley fans can you can you feel that from the stage i can sometimes feel something um when we play certain songs obviously never going to give you up has its own universe really now and and i understand that and that's i'm kind of grateful for it you know um, but I think sometimes, especially with some of the newer songs that I've, I've done recently in the last few albums, I can see people sort of going, I can literally see them going, oh, <laughs> um, and hopefully it's a positive oh. Um, and that's kind of nice, you know, and it's nice to reflect on the fact that, as you said, I was 21 when the first single came out. I'm now 57. I did have about 15 years or so of not doing any of this nonsense at all. Um, and I also think that, has been super valuable because I think I came back to doing it from um, a, a kind of feeling of loving it mm, mm. rather than I've never stopped doing it. It's who I am. I just, that's what I do. I came back to it with a kind of feeling of, I'd really quite like to have a go at that again. And I came, I, I almost stumbled into it if I'm honest. And I just realized that, if you take away the pressure and you take away like serious fame, you know, listen, don't get me wrong, but as an example, we did a gig in, in Tasmania many moons ago. And when you're playing a gig in Tasmania, you suddenly realize, okay, this is pretty global. now. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you take um, away the pressure, you take away the, the serious fame. What do yeah. you end up with then? Well, that, well, then you end up with the joy of doing it and, and, mm. Maybe this is a bit overcooking it, but it, it's like the purity of what, what, why you started. You picked up an instrument or got in a band and sang or whatever, and you just, something inside certain people, it just clicks and you go, I want to do this. And some people don't even do it where they do it on a stage. You know, they become professional musicians, studio musicians, whatever, or, mm. or whatever kind of music they're making. It's just, there's a connection with music that humans have, and we've had it for thousands of years, obviously, that you can't deny. And some people just want to soak it up and some people want to create it. And whether it's in my garage or it's in, it's at Glastonbury on the pyramid stage, both of them for me, you know, every, every aspect of both of those things, I just, I'm still in love with. So you went on that day to, to play another set with Blossom, uh, uh, yeah. doing which you covered some Smith songs. Now mm. I'm one of those who was, surprised to discover that you were a huge uh, Smiths and indeed Morrissey fan I wondered how you felt about Johnny Marr sort of being outraged that you that that, that you would cover I mean it just doesn't feel very democratic in the way that music should be well I think obviously for some people um and maybe members of the actual band themselves it, it's probably a weird thing to see somebody else do that and think why and all the rest of it and I also think there's a lot of people that would gladly you know throw us on a bonfire for doing that i understand that i know I mean, a lot of I people who do more, who do smith songs as karaoke 
<laughs> yeah, well, and also I've been to see a couple of cover bands who do Smith songs because I can't get to see the Smiths do it. Um, you know, they 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 both, you know, Johnny Marr and obviously Morrissey do sing Smith songs in their sets and stuff. And I saw Johnny Marr recently, actually, in uh, Electric Picnic in Ireland, and he was pretty amazing. And I think he he did a great job of doing those Smith songs as well. And I, I you know, as, uh, sorry, I meant as well as the Smiths did. And I, <laughs> I, I and I feel it is difficult, but I think it was born of us. I met the guys, Blossoms, uh, when the Manchester Arena reopened and everyone piled into, arc at me, how rock and roll is this? Everyone piled into Noel Gallagher's room because he opened the door and said, everyone come and have a beer. So we did. And I got chatting to different people and I chatted to some of the guys from Blossoms at one point. I went on a podcast with them. They have a podcast themselves, their own one. And we just got talking about bands that really influenced you and meant something to you as a kid, but also bands certainly from Manchester, because they're from Stockport and Manchester's their back garden as well. Mm. And I kind of said, well, for me, it was probably, you know, I loved New Order and Joy Division as well. And, you know, but I said the Smiths to me were just so unique and different from so many different angles, lyrically, uh, the musicianship, you know, as a band, they were fantastic. But Johnny Marr, obviously, you know, has done some things with that guitar of his that have inspired a million guitar players since. And there's just some real beauty. This charming man, the way that opens, it's just a gorgeous thing. And it's amazing. And and so I got talking about that. And I said, in another universe, one day, um, I'd like to go and do a gig one night where I just sing Smith songs. And I didn't, I don't know what, exactly what I mean by that. I just want to do it. To put a bit of flesh on that those bones i also have a couple of friends and we have a little desperate punk rock band where we just i play drums and sing and we do punk covers <laughs> because i like doing it and i've also done two nights at the alba hall recently where i've just sung frank sinatra songs because i like doing it so i didn't see it as like um a problem i just you know and the guys came back to me from blossoms and said well we'll be the band we'll play the music and i think we envisaged doing it in a pub in stockport <laughs> I don't think we envisaged doing it at, you know, um, a huge big tent at Glastonbury, but that's where it took us. 